Welcome to the Lock Sportscast, your weekly source for Lock Sport news and sometimes interviews. This is episode 73, recorded October 23rd, 2021. I'm your host, Charles Current. In today's episode, why use ultra wideband for locks? Unlocking your car with Android and iPhone? Picking and hacking smart locks? Linear's 222343 key? Some lock sport tools you can make yourself? Products, meetups, lock picking criminals, sales, giveaways, and more. You can subscribe to the audio version of the show on most podcast apps and at thelocksportscast.com. You can subscribe to the audio version on YouTube or Odyssey. Links to stories discussed will be in the show notes. YouTube and some apps limit the length of show notes, but you can always find full show notes with all of the links at thelocksportscast.com. First up in the news this week, we have an article entitled, Android Will Get an Answer to Apple AirTags. Here's how UWB Location Tech Works. The article was on CNET posted on October 12th by Stephen Shankland. The article is mainly focused on the new tile trackers that are supposed to compete with Apple's AirTag that have been uh, that Google is planning on supporting. But it's got some information about what ultra-wideband is and also how it will apply to locks potentially. So we'll cover that part of the article here. It says, you've heard of wireless standards like Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and 5G. Now it's time to learn another term, ultra-wideband, or UWB. The technology currently lets you pinpoint the location of phones and tracking tags, helping you find a lost keychain, purse, wallet, or pet. The text potential includes automatically unlocking your car or home as you approach. And now it's the foundation of Tile's new ultra-tracking tag, an Android-compatible alternative to Apple's AirTag. It says... UWB calculates locations within less than half an inch by measuring how long it takes super short radio pulses to travel between devices. Right now, UWB's uses are limited, but as it matures and spreads to more devices, UWB could lead to a world where just carrying your phone or wearing your watch helps you log into your laptop as you approach or unlock your house when you leave. Imagine this scenario. You leave the office, and as you near your car, Receivers in its doors recognize your phone and unlock the vehicle for you. When you get out of the car at home, the receivers recognize you're no longer in the vehicle and lock the doors. With UWB, your home could recognize that you're returning at night and illuminate the walkway. The technology could automatically unlock your front door and turn on your home sound system, which follows you from room to room. It continues saying Bluetooth-based location sensing takes at least two seconds to get an accurate fix on your location, but ultra-wideband is a thousand times faster. UWB will add more than convenience, supporters say. Conventional key fobs have security problems in regards to remotely unlocking cars. Criminals can use relay attacks that mimic car and key communications to steal a vehicle. UWB has cryptographic protections against that sort of problem. Another part of the article talks about how Samsung is supporting UWB, and it says, at its Galaxy S21 launch event in January, Samsung touted UWB as a wireless technology that will bring new convenience to your life that will include unlocking your house or car as you walk up to it. With Digital Key, you'll be able to open the door of your house with your mobile device. You'll be able to unlock your car door with your phone. The door will unlock when you reach it, no sooner, no later. 
You'll be able to send digital keys to family or friends. And Samsung's AR Finder app will point the direction to your car in a crowded parking lot. Samsung announced digital key partnerships with BMW, Audi, Ford, and Hyundai's Genesis Motor. Fixing today's relay attack problems, where someone with radio technology essentially copies and pastes radio communications of fobs or smartphone unlocking systems, was a top priority for 802.15.4Z. With the precise timing you get off UWB and the ability to know exactly where you are, you can cut the man in the middle relay attack completely, they claim. If you want to read more from that article about uh, some of Ultra Wideband and how it works, there will be a link in the show notes. Moving along on the same front, the next story we're going to discuss is called You Might Be Unlocking Your Car with Android 12 Sooner Than You'd Think, Assuming Your Car is Supported, of course. This was published by Android Police, written by Will Settleberg. The article says that Google has been planning a transition to a world where you use your smartphone as a key, and it's starting to sound like that might not be so far off. The folks at XDA Developers spotted some new code in an update to Play Services, and it all seems to point to Digital Car Key possibly being ready for launch. Google announced its support for keyless cars back at I.O. in May two months after forming an alliance with hardware partners. As for the code, there are a couple of key takeaways. Unsurprisingly, it'll likely start off pretty limited with only certain devices, cars, and regions supported at launch, which Google basically said back at I.O., with only BMW as a partner at that time. Samsung's digital keys have a similar slow rollout, so it'll likely be a few more years before we're all unlocking our vehicles with just a smartphone, the article says. They go on to say, once it's live, there will be two options for unlocking your car. You can opt to use NFC to open the door with a quick tap, or your phone can remain safely in your pocket while UWB takes care of everything. Like most mobile payment apps, you'll need to have a screen lock set on your phone. Google won't save your digital keys to an unsecured device. And users in supported regions will receive a notification about digital car keys once Play Services has been updated. Everyone else will have to wait patiently for it to arrive on their device and presumably get a card that supports it. And not wanting to be left behind, Apple is looking at ways to use an iPhone to control vehicle functions, according to Motor Authority, article written by Stephen Edelson on October 8th. Apple wants its phone to access functions like climate control, radio, speedometer, and seat controls, according to a report by Bloomberg, which cited anonymous sources familiar with the matter. Known internally as Ironheart, the project is still in its early stages and would require coordination with automakers. Such an interface would give Apple an even greater reach into cars than its current CarPlay system, which only projects smartphone functions onto a car's infotainment system. A 2020 update allowed an iPhone to function as a key fob, but automakers have been slow to adopt that function. They say the change would give Apple more opportunities to harvest user data, but would also address current complaints about having to switch between Apple CarPlay and the native infotainment system to access different functions, according to the Bloomberg report. And what about on the home front? We have an article here called It's Ridiculously Easy to Pick Some Smart Deadbolts, But We Aren't Alarmed. This article posted on Wirecutter on October 4th, written by John Chase. It's quite a long article, but I'll just read a few different sections here. 
It starts off saying, there's a moment in every decent movie or TV thriller where the protagonist finds a locked door and without pausing whips out a credit card or a bobby pin or maybe a tidy leather bound picking set. With a few expert wiggles, that door gives way and we viewers happily accept this absurd little trope as if it could ever be that easy to pick a lock. Except sometimes it is that easy and picking a lock might not be the big deal that it seems. They also say, to be clear, there are a ton of locks out there that are hard and even night on impossible, though not actually impossible, to pick. But many of the popular deadbolts and door locks sold in the big box stores, locks that may live on your front or back doors right now, are of the sort that my sweet boy who can't tell the difference between a hammer and a screwdriver has a fair chance of breaking into. The article goes on to say that after realizing this, they went on to take a deeper look at the FBI's 2019 annual report on crime statistics, the most recent available, and at all the studies of burglary rates we could find, and now we don't think that it's all such a big deal. They say burglars are just like us, they're in a rush. Many insurance and alarm companies report that most burglaries take about 10 or so minutes, sometimes much less. This makes sense because the time is important factor for a burglar. They say the FBI data reveals that in 2019, about a third of burglars gained access to a property through unlocked or open entrances, about two-thirds of them forced entry or attempted forced entry. That includes everything from prying open or kicking a door or forcing a window in addition to lockpicking. The Bureau of Justice Statistics, which collects data on crimes nationwide, doesn't have information on how often lockpicking occurs during burglaries. But one of the few sources around, a UNC Charlotte study from 2012 of repeat criminals from three states suggests that this is a skill that is rarely employed. Then they go on to quote Mark Webbis Tobias, who said, here's the thing, burglars are not picking locks. Burglars aren't dealing with that. They go on to say, Instead, imagine a person fervently jiggling doorknobs or attempting a quick smash and grab versus someone standing at a door, adrenaline flowing, taking an unknown amount of time to fiddle with a collection of lockpicks, hoping to get it right before being spotted and the cops arrive. It surely must happen, but it's the wrong thing for a homeowner to focus on. The most important stat that you need to know about to protect your home is that burglars avoid homes that are well lit and have security cameras and or security systems. Their conclusion? We don't necessarily think the homeowner should overlook a deadbolt or lock that is otherwise sturdy with a good set of features simply because it is pickable. After all, if you ask a locksmith or a professional lock picker, they'll tell you there's never been a lock that can't be picked. So while that's true, in my opinion, I would say that you need to go for a, a happy medium. You don't need a high security lock on your front door. But if you have something that is just super easy to to rake open in a couple of seconds, that's a bad thing. Because there are a fair number of criminals that I cover in the lockpicking criminal section that aren't necessarily using their picks all the time, but they are carrying them. They're probably carrying them for a reason. So I would say go for something that is not your bargain basement. It's going to fall open the second you run a rake through it. Something with some security pins, maybe a, a bump pin in the back. Something to just give the common, quick, easy attacks a difficult time and make them uh, look for another way in. Staying on the subject of smart locks, we have a black hat 
video that was posted called How I Can Unlock Your Smart Door, Security Pitfalls in Cross-Vendor IoT Access Control. I'm just going to read the synopsis here. It says, Internet of Things devices are increasingly managed through the clouds which mediate the user's access to devices, e.g. only authorized users can unlock a door. These clouds are operated by device vendors, Philips Hue, Tuya, etc., or cloud providers, Google Home, Amazon Alexa, etc. Of course, of particular interest here is the emerging capability advocated by mainstream IoT vendors to delegate device access across different clouds and users. For example, Philips Hue, August Lock, etc., allow Google Home to control devices mediated under their clouds, so the user can manage multiple devices from different vendors all through a single console on Google Home. On Google Home, then, an Airbnb host may temporarily delegate the access to their smart lock to a guest during their stay. Such a capability can lead to a convoluted delegation chain whose authorization operations could easily go wrong. Specifically, access delegated across IoT clouds is distributed, heterogeneous, and unverified. Each vendor customizes its delegation protocol with ad hoc implicit security assumptions. Further, we found the complicated delegation service is often coupled across clouds, with one cloud unwittingly violating the other's security operations and assumptions. We report the first systematic study on cross-cloud IOD delegation based upon verification tool we developed. We investigated 10 mainstream IoT clouds, Google Home, SmartThings, IFTTT, Philips Hue, LIFX, August, etc., and discovered five serious vulnerabilities that endanger millions of users and hundreds of vendors. Exploiting the vulnerabilities, the adversary, such as a former employee or Airbnb tenant, can gain unauthorized access to IoT devices like smart lock switches and safety sensors. We implemented end-to-end attacks for all vulnerabilities and reported to affected vendors, which have deployed or scheduled fixes. We further propose principles for developing more secure cross-cloud IoT delegation services before a standardized solution can be widely deployed. So if you're thinking about implementing locks that integrate with some of these services, you might want to check out their presentation. I found it quite interesting. And I'm sure most of you have heard about the uh, condo collapse in Surfside, Florida. One of the articles recently published about that touches on the lock world slightly, and I thought I would just read that section of this article. The full article was entitled, The Prospect of a Speedy Real Estate Deal Compounds Some Surfside Families' Grief. It's talking about the fact that the sale of the property seems to be moving really, really fast and isn't allowing people enough grieving time. But in the middle of the article, it says, Other debris awaits in a warehouse in the area including 17 safes pulled intact from the condo. Attorney Michael Goldberg, the court-appointed bankruptcy administrator for the Champlain Towers South Condominium Association, recently said that he would hire a locksmith to open each safe in hopes of returning the contents to the families. He intends to have all photos carefully cleaned, scanned, and posted on a website so that relatives can identify them. 
that's something I hadn't really even hadn't really thought about was the uh the fact that there would be safes in some of those and some of them survived obviously the uh the fall and collapse and still have their content safe inside. I don't know about you guys, but if I were a locksmith, that would be a really difficult one for me if I were hired to get into those safes. Um, there's a lot of personal effects. These people aren't with us anymore. And yeah, that's a, that would be a, that would be a rough one. In other news, good guy or B and E A to Z on Twitter, put out a tweet that said, Dave McOmey, one of the greatest safe crackers is featured on this week's American life. This week's American life is a podcast that they did, that did an interview with Dave McOmey. In episode 750, I believe. And the description says When you need to retrieve all manner of treasures secured behind steel doors and complex locks, there's one man you can count on Safecracker Dave McComey. David Kesselbaum tells the story of how McComey was asked to break into a very complex vault left behind by a very famous person after they died. And it's 16 minutes in length, according to this, so nice and short for you to check out. If you want to go over there and listen to it. Also over on Twitter, Rubber Band posted, Here, Twitter, after much research and such, I found a source key code for Lanier's 222343 key. Copy the measurements and what have you. Also, if you take issue, this key is very much in the public domain and nothing I'm showing is even slightly secret. Enjoy. And he had a image that had all of the information about the blank and the cut and all of that stuff. So it's there for you to check out if you're interested. And Concrete Dog posted, the new issue of Hackspace Mag is out. And in that issue, he has the first of a two-part series about lockpicking and locksport. And he says, next month, we'll focus on creating DIY tools and accessories for your lockpicking arsenal. Of course, links to the tweet and the issue will be in the show notes. You can uh, pay for a subscription to the magazine. They also, you can click and download a PDF. You can donate if you want before you download the PDF, but it is not required. You can download a free copy. Moving on to videos this week. SaintCon has started posting some of the videos from SaintCon 2021 to their YouTube channel. So I'll have a link to their channel in the show notes if you want to watch any of those. And also, Edoc Dab put out a video called Cheap and Easy Impressioning Handle and My First Impressioning Experience, where he goes over a very simple and inexpensive impressioning handle that he made up from improvised parts. Looks like it is probably extremely easy and inexpensive to make and might be a, a good one for people to make when they're first starting out. So I will put a link to that video in the show notes. He also gives some stories and some tips from as he was learning impressioning so you should definitely check that out if you're interested in getting started in impressioning might be an inexpensive way to get a handle if you're looking to do lever locks roy salmons put out a video called hybrid two-in-one lever lock picks for under five pounds the description says in this video i show off my hybrid design of two-in-one lever lock picks these picks are the combination of two designs joined together to make a cheap affordable lever lock picks you could make both picks for under five pounds worth a bit of DIY skill. If you're into lever locks, those 
might be worth checking out. And while you're at it, be sure to check out Andy Mack's video, Pick Wires and the Process, quick video he made recently about how to make picking wires for lever locks. Pretty uh, simple process. Definitely worth learning to do yourself if you're into lever locks. Moving on to products. Tony Varelli sent a tweet, said, you might want to check out Red Team Tools website on Monday. There will be something to talk about then. He also put out a tweet that said, miss the Paco Punch? Yeah, me too. So Locksporters, make sure to check out Red Team Tools website on Monday. They have a solution, only 50 in stock. And this looks like it is the product that Deviant talked about in his video, a field expedient Pack-A-Punch which I covered back in episode 63. In the description of Deviant's video, he says, this set of leashy cutter guides isn't on Red Team Tools just yet, but it will be soon. I'll put a proper link here when that happens, and I'll have more detailed video then too. But if you're curious about what the product is, you can head over and watch Deviant's video on that. I'll have links to all of that in the show notes. And over on Lockpick World, they have the new Dangerfield Nano Slimline Covert Lockpick Rake Set in 0.6 millimeter. They say, we listened to your feedback. Our Nano Picks are now 0.6 millimeter instead of the previous 0.8 and have cutaway sections in the handle for added grip. We took the best-selling Covert Rake Set and made them even better. And they come with a leather magnetic snapshot case. So it says each set contains, all in, of course, 0.6 millimeter, two peak rake, a three peak rake, a four peak rake, a four peak sine wave rake, a five peak sine wave rake, a four peak cycloid curve, and a five peak cycloid curve, and one L shaped bottom of the keyway twisted tension wrench. And of course, the leather wallet to store them in. Currently on a discount, they say. Moving on to meetups, basically the same as last week. We have the Physical Intrusion Workshop by Alexandre Trafalt. It is one of the sessions taking place at Hardware IO, Hardware Security Conference and Training. Looks like Hardware IO has what they call training days, October 25th through the 27th, and conference days, the 28th and the 29th. The Physical Intrusion Workshop looks like it's part of the training days. It's scheduled for October 27th between 6 and 7 p.m. The Hotel NH Den Haag in the Netherlands. Then we have Lockpick AR Space, part of the Eco Party Security Conference 2021, 2nd through the 6th of November online. It says, join the largest hacking conference in Latin America. Talks in English and Spanish with live translations, workshops, activities, networking challenges, visuals, music, and more. Tickets are available now. And Lock Camp is taking place in Lockhart, Texas at Lockhart State Park, November 12th through the 14th, if you want to go down there. We have some new purple belts to announce. We have Vapor, Oh My Joe, Fresno Viking. We have one new brown belt to announce, Plaz 7, and one new red belt, Flebron, Flebron. Not sure how to pronounce that, but congratulations to all of you. 
on your accomplishments. If you're not already familiar with the Lockpickers United belt system, there are links in the show notes that will tell you all about it. So be sure to check those out and uh, join us in all the fun. Over at speedlocks.org's Discord, we had announcements of two new records. We have a record from Gilligan's for the Lockwood 110-40 in 1.033 seconds, and record from Strix for the Asa Twin Pro slash Twin Maxim slash Twin V10 slash Twin Global with gin pins uh, in 1 minute 47.434 seconds. So which one did you pick, Strix? If you're listening, let us know which one you actually picked. I didn't look that up. Now I'd like to take a quick break, say thank you to all the people that made this episode possible. We'll start with the Patreon subscribers. We have Medler, Pandafrog, Michael Gilchrist, Starrylock, Williams Brain, Dave to be deciphered, Pat from Uncensored Tactical, PH Picker, Three Raccoons in a Coat, Cherell, Patty Cakes, Dr. Hogmaster, Clayton Howard, aka Cool Tune, Mog, John Locke, Rat Yoke, Mr. Picker, Cranky Lock Picker, Real Tater, JHP Picking. Chief content producer for this episode is again I Fisk. Other content producers for this episode, Terrell, Dr. Hogmaster, Good Guy, aka B and A A to Z. I'm Gumby, Jeff and Things, Joe Picks, Joshua Gonzalez, Max Val, Michael Gelcrest, Pandafrog, and Tony Verrelli. Thank you to all of you for your support. And in case you're not aware, the chief content producer episode that IFIS got this week is because he shared the most stories that were used in this particular episode. Remember, this show is only possible because of your support. So if you value this show, please help support it by sending in your news, links, events, giveaway information, anything you have that's Locksport related that you think the community would enjoy, even if it's a news article that's only tangentially Locksport related, still might be interesting to the community. Just send it in. I'll dig through what fits in the show and what doesn't. I'd rather be flooded with information and have too much than not have enough to complete the shows every week. Other ways you can help share the show with your lockpicking friends. You can do that online or in person. You can leave a review on your favorite podcast platform, leave a comment and a thumbs up on YouTube or Odyssey, subscribe to the podcast or the YouTube channel. If you want to help financially, you can donate via PayPal or subscribe on Patreon. Patrons on Patreon do get an audio RSS feed that gets them the show about a day early when I'm done editing before it's posted publicly, if that's something you're interested in. If not, no big deal. It's the same show. Nothing else changes. Any information you have, you can send to podcast at thelocksportscast.com or just go to thelocksportscast.com and click on contact and you can find all the information about how to get a hold of me. Just a quick reminder, I'm looking for people's stories about their locksport journey, how the community might have helped them, stumbling blocks, things that they found uh, difficult or anything you have that you think is really interesting about your particular journey in Locksport, please write it up or record it audio or video, send it in to me. I'd love to get it on the show. You can also send in your feedback. Feedback will be kept confidential if you want, or I can share it on the show. That's your choice. If you want to share it on the show, just make sure that it is reasonable length, polite, work safe, and not political. So let's move on to the locksmith story. This actually, I put it in the locksmith section, but it's kind of locksmith related, criminal related thing. The headline was, burglar gets new keys before she's locked up. This is out of Coronado, California by the Associated Press. Says a woman pretended she owned a Southern California home so a locksmith would make her new keys. 
Then the police locked her up. Officers arrested a 43-year-old woman on suspicion of burglary Thursday night in Coronado, a resort city across the bay from San Diego. The brazen burglary was foiled when the real homeowner called Coronado police and said her neighbor noticed suspicious activity in her home. The homeowner was out of town, yet the neighbor saw the home's lights being turned on and off. Officers arrived and the neighbor, a relative of the owner, gave them a spare key, but it didn't fit the front door's lock and metal shavings and pieces of old lock were on the ground nearby. Police walked around the home. They saw the back door open and the fireplace turned on as music was playing inside. After calling for a helicopter and a canine unit, officers saw someone moving around on the second floor in what was supposed to be an empty house with only one spare key. Police called out to the person inside who came out a few minutes later and was arrested. The woman claimed there were two kids inside the house, but a police search turned up nothing. The woman told police that the home was hers, and she said she'd called the locksmith earlier to change the front door's locks. No word if the burglar gave anyone else a spare key. So let that be a reminder to all locksmiths to make sure you check your ID and or paperwork very carefully. Make sure you're not being used. Interesting, the metal shavings and lock parts lying by the front door. Maybe she called one of those people that just drill it out. Who knows? The next story is police charge man in attempted theft from coin-operated machines. It was published in the Taft Midway Driller, written by Doug Keeler. This is from Taft, California. Taft police arrested a Bakersfield man they say was trying to steal money from coin-operated air machines Saturday night and have linked him to an earlier theft. Sergeant Corey Bilby said a patrolling officer sold a saw a silver Buick near the air and water machines at the gas wars on 10th and Center. The vehicle was similar to one seen on surveillance video from a prior theft from a change machine at the downtown laundromat. The officer made contact with the man and woman with the Buick and determined the man was in the process of drilling out the coin holder in the air machine. Officers found several tools, including a drill, a lockpick kick, and other items. The man was arrested and charged with vandalism and possession of burglary tools. He also had a felony warrant out of Bakersfield. The woman was cited and released for possession of a controlled substance after officers found 1.8 grams of meth in her possession. Police are submitting a report to the Kern County District Attorney seeking charges against the suspect in the September 30th burglary too. He did have picks on him, wasn't actually... At that point, picking it, maybe he had tried and failed, and now he had just gone to drilling. But again, shows that a lot of criminals aren't going to spend a lot of time trying to pick a lock. Moving on to sales, we have the redteamtools.com. When the site relaunches, use the code REDTEAMOCTOBER for 10% off all purchases for the rest of October. And they are currently saying that they should be up on October 25th. Fifth, which is Monday, so keep your eyes out for that. Thinkpeterson.com. The code for October was L87700202R. Uh, so that's Lima87700202 Romeo. Good for 20% off with a minimum purchase of $50. They also have their closeout on their hydrometer rubber picks. Matt's lock pit has a sale on all of his custom picks. I don't know when that's 
going to stop. But as of the morning of this recording, it is still active. Over at 3DLockSport.com, Tony Varelli's site, you can get 10% off with the code LSCAST10. At MakoLocks.com, you can get 15% off with the code BYMAKO. And at UKLockPickers.co.uk, 10% off with the code GIFT. No expiration on either one of those last two. I don't know if they're good forever or not. In giveaways, we have a new one. Joe Picks. In his video 27, Purple Belt and 100 Subscriber, almost, giveaway, Joe, hashtag Joe Picks Double Giveaway, says, I'm celebrating having reached the rank of Purple Belt in the LPU Discord and the subreddit. Rules of the giveaway, post a video using the hashtag Joe Picks Double Giveaway, pick any lock and tell me an interesting story about you and Locksport. Two, after posting your video entry, you gain a bonus entry by sharing this contest and tagging me on either Instagram, Reddit, or Twitter. You can only receive a single bonus entry. Sharing on multiple platforms is, of course, appreciated, but will only count as one additional entry. Two different winners will be drawn at random. Entries are accepted until November 13th, and the winner will be drawn on November 14th. The prize pool is a pack lock or it says each winner will receive a Packlock 98 Pro with his logo. One winner will receive a Brady Abyss 4140 Lotto. The other will receive a Abyss 7440 Lotto. Each will receive final cutouts and stickers with his logo. Each will receive a mini pinning tray, and each will receive a pinning tray for storing pins while progressive pinning a lock. And the description says, not mentioned in the video, but he's also added, each winner will receive a Schlage 851226 padlock. So link to his video will be in the show notes, or just go over and check out Joe Picks on YouTube. Also, Dr. Hogmaster has his hashtag sesquinsentscriber pickalock wrong giveaway. That is running till sometime in November, no definite date yet. The challenge is to post a video where you pick a lock wrong, and the prize is a set of Goso dimple picks, a few dimple locks, and a couple of lock holders and pinning trays. The rules, you have to use that hashtag, and you have to pick a lock wrong, and he encourages creative interpretations of that meaning. So head over there and check that out. Sounds like it should be a fun one. Also, follow the hashtag and see what other people are doing with it. And of course, CLK supplies their hashtag LockBoss giveaway runs every week. So if you're into giveaways, they give away a lot of great prizes. They are a Locksmith distributor, so they have a lot of interesting stuff to give away. So if, if you're into giveaways, I recommend checking it out. And that's it for giveaways this week. Remember to send me any information you have that's LockSport related. Even if you don't think it's important, it might be the little bit of extra information I need to put together a set of stories that kind of fill in all the details. So be sure to send me anything you have. I would rather have too much than not enough. I say it every time, but please, please don't assume that somebody else is going to send it because they quite often don't. And uh, thank you for all your support. And remember to keep it legal.
you don't already have one, you can find a... And it all seems to point to digital car key becoming a... According to a report by Bloomberg, which cited... Exploiting the vulnerabilities, the adversary, such as a former employer, such as an In giveaways, we have a new one. Joe Picks has his video 27, Purple Belt and 100 